Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dak Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Modman. Hi. How you doing? Great. How are you doing? Great. You look great in all green. Your Monica's in all green. Isn't green Bill Gates' favorite color, or did I make that up? You must be right, because they say that green is genius's favorite color. My favorite color is really blue, but I'll often lie and say it's green because I know that about geniuses. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. It's my second favorite. After blue? Yeah. It's probably my second after purple. Oh my gosh, purple. Mm -hmm. Not a popular favorite color, that's I That's why think. I like it. Yeah, that's that holds. <laughs> well, today we have an outstandingly talented performer, Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr. is a Tony Award-winning and Grammy Award-winning actor and singer. He has performed on Broadway and in television and film. He has released three jazz albums. Now, most importantly, let's just get to it, Hamilton, which is currently streaming on the Disney Plus app. It's incredible. If you were unable to see this musical, I don't like musicals, and this is one of two musicals I absolutely love. It's so good, and Leslie is so tremendous in it playing Aaron Burr. So if you weren't able to go see it live, I do urge everyone to check it out on Disney+. Plus. He also was in Harriet. He was in Smash, Murder on the Orient Express. And you can see Leslie currently on Central Park, the greatest cartoon on television, for which she just got nominated for an Emmy. So congratulations, Leslie. His new album is entitled Mr. Just MR. That's all you need. So check out his new album. Please enjoy Leslie Odom Jr. We are supported by Ring. There are a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you. For me, I have a couple little obsessions. We get a lot of packages. Many packages. And I want to keep an eye on them and make sure they're not getting swiped. So sometimes I'll get like an email, oh, your package has arrived. And then I go check my ring on my phone just to see that it's sitting there so that I can go out and get it before it's taken. Okay, I like that. It's package prevention loss. Now, Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. And best of all, you can see it all on one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are, right from your phone. If someone stops by or someone's going in, Ring lets you know. It's peace of mind anytime knowing that your home is protected. See and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. Keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy-to-install indoor and outdoor cams and protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable, whole home security system you can easily install yourself. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash DAX. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus, free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash DAX. That's ring.com slash DAX. We are supported by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. What did you party with last night? So I made a corn and zucchini risotto. Oh, it was ooh. like, you know, those tasty summer veggies, and mm. I ate it all. Listen what I got into. Italian meatloaf with green beans and mashed potatoes. Mm. Now, HelloFresh recipes are delicious. We swear by them. They can help break you out of a recipe rut. There's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. You can save time and stress effortlessly with HelloFresh's contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. 
HelloFresh is also very flexible and fits your lifestyle. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DAX80 and use code DAX80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. That's $80 off and free shipping on your first box when you go to HelloFresh.com slash DAX80 and use code DAX80. He's an Check 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 your check cash your check put it in the bank save some money for your honey check that cash check all our singers you always start off singing well I want their I want Leslie's approval obvious obvious got it right all right let me just start you off with a compliment you ready so I told my wife I got to go a little early today I don't normally do it this early and she said who are you interviewing and I said Leslie Odom Jr and she said. He isn't not sexy. <laughs> I'll take it. That's the, the roundabout. That roundabout compliment. That compliment that is coming from the side. It's like a diagonal. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not not. <laughs> well, I said, hey, I, well, I just learned about him and I, I saw his wife. So, yeah, if, if you guys want to be lifestylers, I think we're all in. <laughs> I think just based visually only, we're, we're, we're up for it. <laughs> we're down. I have to say, I've known your wife a long time, and I was thinking about, just super excited about coming here to talk to you in this way, but thinking about my relationship with Kristen, she was the first person that I knew, you know what this is like, she was the first person that I knew that I could see on a billboard. Right, 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 because you guys are roughly the same age, right? Right, and when you're coming up, like when somebody, when somebody blows, when somebody starts to go, like that is a thing, you know, it's just a thing you remember. And she was the first, she was the first person. That I did. And we didn't, you know, we weren't like tight, but we knew each other and we, we had worked together. And I remember she had that Lifetime movie. That was the thing that, you know, she played when she had the, the custody of her siblings or whatever. And yep. we were working together. And then I don't know, what is it like a year or two later, she's on a billboard. And then like, it feels like six months, a year later, she's Veronica Mars. And it was like, mm. it's a big thing the first person that you know that blues up it's wind in your yeah. sails you're like oh that's just a normal human i know this human so wow maybe <laughs> i can do this right it's that it's that and it's also like somewhat like invasion of the body snatchers or something it's like the, if somebody gets <laughs> snatched they get like they get plucked from the group and then they're like away they're like gone yeah so after she's veronica mars we kind of don't reconnect for like seven eight years like she's really gone you know and yes. not, not through no fault of her you know it's, that's not her about her it's just like she's fucking busy and she's very very famous but yeah it's it's really a thing she was the first she yeah. said you had a top pony of dreads <laughs> when she was 19 and she said yes. you were killing it she said it was it was working in all the ways <laughs> that's right i did i had I, I had that was in my my dreadlock phase I loved my dreads, man. You know, this is, I would not have had them now because it's clearly labeled cultural appropriation. But in high school, right. I had them in 11th grade. And I got to say, my favorite hairdo because you're done. You wake up, you're done. Yeah. There it is. That's what it's going to look like. You might throw it in a ponytail. But other than that, yeah. there's nothing to think about. I dug it. It worked for me until it didn't anymore. And then I remember shaving it off and how free that felt too. Like, you know, how liberating that was to like be bald. Yes, yes. 
so I got in big trouble. I got I got in trouble at school, and my mom said, uh, "I've got to punish you. What what can't I punish you with?" And I said, "Well, I think if you tell me I can't go on road trips, I'll probably move out and get an apartment. If you tell me X, Y, and Z," and she goes, "Okay." So that's it. That's the list. And I said, yeah, that's the list. And she said, okay, get, get rid of those dreadlocks. And I was like, oh shit. I didn't think you'd be that <laughs> cruel to tell me to cut my hair off as a punishment. But she was so cool that I had to respect it. So she cut it all off. Yeah. And I remember dipping my head in water and going like, right. oh my God, I haven't felt my scalp in a year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I might grow them back just to cut them off again. Just to feel that <laughs> feeling again. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was good talk about uh you know you have a little girl right you have three-year-old and yeah and you know how you're kind of always trying to teach them like forward thinking you know delayed uh, gratification like this is something you're supposed to work on and that would be the ultimate stepping delayed gratification if you spent three years <laughs> doing something for a three-minute sensation there are people that do that though right like the people that grow those flowers that only bloom once every Whatever. You know, there are people that, that do that, that really oh, yeah. spend their life. Their life is about that foreplay, you know, just like. <laughs> yeah. And I was just listening to uh, when Nicolette found out I was coming on your show. She was super excited. Her her favorite episode of all the shows she's listened to is the one you did. I forget the woman's name, but the one you did with that brilliant relationship expert. Oh, Esther. Esther Perel. Yeah. 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 She's, she's perfect. She's uh she's the Jedi of relationships, sexuality, eroticism. Yeah, I loved what she said. And I really related to it because in a lot of ways, when she equated eroticism with aliveness, right? You know, yes, yes. Mm. A zest for life. Right. It's the same sensation that I get, like when this thing that I do, when it feels the right, when it feels the best, it feels like there's an eroticism, there's seduction, there's a there's, yes. you know, there's a chase. It's, yeah, it's exciting in that way. Let's drill into it a little bit. For me, too, and this isn't a great characteristic, but I need a plausible threat of annihilation to enjoy myself. <laughs> so my hobbies are like motorcycles, off-road racing, and then comedy, which is like you step out there and it's like, man, it can, it can go either way on, on any night. Yeah. And there's something about the stakes that like, the heightenedness of it, right, that wakes me up and, and makes me very present. Is that like what happens with you? 100% makes me very present. And, you know, I, I have been annihilated, like I'm sure you have. There have been those oh, sure. performances, those moments that did not go well. And so I never take it for granted. I just finished a movie last week and over so we Zoom? Finished <laughs> no, we actually, it's, it's, such in a, Russia? it's such it's such a crazy story. But we shot this whole movie, the entire movie, at the top of the year, January, February. You know, before everything went down, and then in New Orleans, uh, Regina King's directorial debut, mm. um, beautiful script about this true story. When Cassius Clay fought the first heavyweight championship bout, nobody expected him to win that. It was a white dude. What was his name? He was no. He was a black dude. Oh. People think he was white because he was kind of the white people's champ as well. I think I was thinking of like Sonny Liston or something. Or That's guess- who it is. Oh, okay. Sonny Liston. Oh, my God. So Sonny Liston is... Oh, my God. That's, Bro. Some layer yeah. of racism just got exposed to me. But I guess I think... I just remember he he did knock out some great white yes. hope, right? And then yes. that kind of shut people up. Okay, so yeah. But Sonny was black. And so anyway, when Cassius has this fight, nobody thinks that he's going to win. So there's no victory party planned in Miami and um, in 1964. And 
So he spends the evening hanging out with his pals in a seedy motel room, you know, and his pals just happen to be Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. Oh, and my we, God. And we know that it happened because the FBI was following Malcolm. Oh, so right. there are notes, you know, the, you know, Malcolm X goes into seedy hotel room with, they called Sam Cooke, like, black soul singer or something like didn't even use his name oh, you know what I mean <laughs> Sam yeah. Cook V Sam Cook but anyway we shot this whole movie and had a wonderful experience but we had a scene that happens at the Fountain Blue and they couldn't kind of replicate it in New Orleans so they were like well we'll shoot that scene in LA so like a week after we finish in New Orleans we'll shoot, we'll shoot that in LA and then we'll be done and then COVID happens and so we've been waiting for four months to to have two days of shooting on this movie I was bringing it up because, like, literally when they said that's a wrap and I felt that tension leave my stomach, I was like, I've been tense since I got this job. Like, somewhere in my body, I've been holding tension for all of these months. Wait, can we go back to one thing, Jim Brown? Did you get to meet him for this movie? We didn't. He's the only one of the fellas that's still alive. But no, we didn't. We didn't meet him. But I felt like, you know, Aldous, Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown. And I, you know, so I feel like I met him through Aldous. But no, we didn't get to meet. We didn't get to meet him. Because you sang at the Super Bowl in 2018. And I want to say, was that Minneapolis? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I was there. And then Jim Brown was there. And I got to meet him. And I read this amazing book, Conversations with Jim Brown. And I, I went up to him and I said, man, what a fucking honor. The way he did it. I mean, he should be on the Mount Rushmore. Just the way he towed the line, the way he helped other people, the way he spoke out, the resolve, the, you know, the strength. What a beast he was. I mean, just incredible guy. Exceptional. Exceptional man. And Cassius, you know, when we meet Cassius in this movie, you know, he's a kid. He's the little brother of all those guys. You know what I mean? But yeah, what a lion he turned out to be and a force for change and good. A man, a king. You know what yeah. I mean? Cassius walked. Are you this playing earth. Cassius in this? God, no. I, I play Sam. Oh, mm. awesome. And do you sing a Sam Cooke song? Oh. What yeah. song? I sing a bunch of the songs that we read. The cheaper ones? <laughs> no, no, because <laughs> Jody Klein owns all those rights. Jody Klein's dad was Sam Cooke's last manager. And so. Through a turn of events, Jody Klein's dad owns all Sam's music. So Jody's one of the producers. And so, yeah, we sing all the all the hits, actually. All the best oh, Sam Cooke wow. stuff. Oh, wow. That's Dude, amazing. what was that like? Terrifying. Okay. Yes. I mean, terrifying because I remember after Hamilton, I was at a party and um, <laughs> Lee, Dan- I don't know if he'll remember even, but Lee, Lee Daniels, you know, I saw him at a at a party. Lee looked at me and said, do you want to play Sammy Davis Jr. for, for HBO? with me and I said no sir I don't like you know, oh. in that in that moment because it was only because like God I love Sammy Davis Jr. and I love Marvin and I love these cats you know these guys have learned so much but because of Hamilton I got to finally be the best version of myself yeah well I would compare it right to like Jim Carrey's big breakthrough I think he was he was doing stand-up for maybe 15 years and he was doing impressions and at some point he recognized like I'm not gonna become my own thing if I keep doing this that's what it was it was like at this moment I could be a whack Sammy Davis Jr. or I could be an amazing Leslie Odom Jr. I'm choosing that you know yes but when Regina comes to you with this, you know, with this amazing <laughs> script and, you know, and it wasn't just a straight ahead biopic, this one night in Miami, you know, it's it's about this night with these guys. Yes. And like, and the conversation that Kemp has them having in this room is the conversation that we're having in the streets. Essentially, you know, it's about, you know, does capitalism work? 
Can you put a black face on capitalism and say that that's progress? Malcolm is about divesting. He's like, it doesn't matter how much money you have, Sam. Like, your people are still being oppressed, and you're a part of that system. And Sam is, of course, like, I'm a black-owned business. I put money in black people's pockets. You— are a ward of the state. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, the, the conversation that they're having in the room, it was too good to pass up, but it was terrifying also. In the room when it happened. Hey. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, now, I recently just watched a clip that circulated. It was a clip of Louis Farrakhan, and I watched it, and I, rem- I remember seeing that clip of Louis Farrakhan in the 90s and thinking, right. oh, this guy wants to, like, obliterate this country. Right. You know, he wants the whole thing to, to crumble. And then I'm watching it with today's eyes and I'm like, that's right. That motherfucker said every single thing that's right. we're now acknowledging, like redlining and steering people away from exactly. real estate and all this stuff and, and uh, inherited wealth and all that stuff, man. He was saying it in, I don't know, 91 and, and it seemed radical. And now it seems like, oh my God, he was so on it. I know. You look at you look at what Malcolm was saying, it's, it's the same thing. You know, even, even Martin, right? You know, we saw at the beginning of this whole uprising in the streets and the pandemic and stuff, you know, but especially with the uprising, you know, you hear a certain, a certain section of society pining and longing for Martin Luther King. That's the way you protest, you know, that you do it like that. You, nonviolent protest is the way, right? And, and on a level that sounds good, but then you have to remember, well, they killed Martin too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they followed him. They recorded everything he did. Okay, so it's not, it's not like we can go to the nursing home where Martin is at 93 or however old, old he'd be and talk to him. You know, how, how did you win? How did it happen? The brother's dead. You know, they murdered yeah. Martin too. And not for nothing, the last brother we saw that was trying nonviolent protest was Colin Kaepernick. That's yeah. what it looks exactly. like. Yeah, That's yeah. what nonviolent protest looks like. And we have, you know, the person in the highest office of the land, get the son of a bitches off the field. So that's that's exactly. what you do when it's nonviolent. So you got to take your pick, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. What you want is for you to be able to see us coming. Bottom line is, I hate to say this, but if you don't listen at the peaceful protest, that's you know, right. Kaepernick, if he's doing that and he has the entire attention of the country on him, and if that doesn't get the conversation going in the right direction, you got to pursue another. What do people have left? Yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's the language of young people. You know, I so I wasn't out in the streets burning things down, but I understand where that comes from. And we have distant history and we have not so distant histories to show the way this country has treated nonviolent protesters as well. Yes. You know, so this is the moment, you know, yep, you got to yep, really deal yep. with this once and for all. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a provocative question. Was part of the Sammy Davis knowing you're like, no, so definitely you want to be your own voice, which makes total sense. But also, if I'm you and I compare Sam Cook to Sammy, and by the way, I say this with great compassion because Malcolm Gladwell has this awesome podcast, Revisionist History, and he does a whole episode on Sammy Davis, and it's called Wow. Like the weight of the token or something like that. There you go. It's there about go. being the first person through the door and what the first person has to endure. And I mean, it all culminates with the most chilling roast by all of his friends, right? On yeah, NBC man. primetime. And they're yep. dropping the N-bomb and they're talking about lynching them. And I mean, these That's are right. his friends. That's and right. you just get the weight of what the token is to be the token person in the room. And I just, if I'm you, I don't want to play the token. I want to play the Mm. guy who said, fuck you. I want to play Cassius. I want to play, 
Ah. People, you know what I'm saying? Was any of that in the mix? That's a great question and super provocative. <laughs> a cancel-worthy question. Go. No. I'll <laughs> say I had to take responsibility. So here, you know, confession from me. You know, I remember when I came to L.A., you know, this is, you know, in the... I was going to say the 90s, but it wasn't the 90s. But it was it was with a 90s sensibility because that's when I came up watching TV, right? So I came yeah. to LA to make TV and I was a practical kid. And so I had only ever seen tokens. <laughs> right, 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 right. Hollywood was really functioning in that way at, the, at that time. This is pre-Shonda Rhimes and Issa Rae and Lena Waithe and all the Donald Glover. This is before all, the, all these brilliant people. So, you know, Hollywood really was functioning in that way. And yet you could still do it with integrity. I came not to tap dance, you know, not to make a fool of myself or, you know, bring shame to my family or my people, not, nothing like that. But I was kind of, I knew that I was going to be on some poster and be the only black guy on that poster. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless they reboot Sanford and Son. Yeah, you're. That's right. Like yeah, I was going to be on some ABC show and be the black guy, the friend, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I also, I only came to LA to work my way back to New York because I was like, what's the quickest way to become this Broadway thing that I, that's where my heart is. You know, that's what, that's what you see when you watch the Disney plus thing. I mean, that is yeah. what I was sort of born to do, but I also knew like, I can't get those parts until I'm famous. And so like, let me go to LA and get famous so that I can get those parts. Yep. So I came here sort of signing up for that, like signing up to be the black guy on the poster, to be the token. Now, having lived it, you know, I know firsthand the pain of that. I was the black guy on Smash, uh -huh, you uh -huh. know, on that NBC show that it was the same system as, as it's always been. And I remember there was a writer in Vulture. So they were doing a recap of the show. And you know, Smash, like, coined the term hate-watching. Everybody was only watching that show to hate on it, right? <laughs> to, like, to tweet about it and to talk about how ridiculous it was. And so there was a really funny recap that she would do every week and just, just skewer the show, oh, just, oh you know. Oh and boy. she named me Token. Oh, oh wow. She named hurt. me Token. How'd that feel? How'd that feel? Oh, I'll tell you how it felt. It was painful. I had to take responsibility for it because... On some level, that is what I signed up for all those years ago. So it was 10 years. You, you feel me? It's like yeah, yeah. The, what, what I came to L.A. on some level accepting or seeking found its way to me or I found my way to it. I'll just add, it, you're not naive. So on some yeah. level, yes, I agree with you. But on another level, no, dude, you're not the fucking architect of the system. So That's there's right. really no responsibility for you to take on. You're not the architect. Until you have a moment to change it. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. When you got the leverage and you don't, then that's a whole other thing to wrestle with. That's what we're talking about. You know, that's what we're talking with all these systems, bro. Like, that's what we had to reckon with with Me Too. That's what we have to reckon with. Me Too is the same way. It's like, you know, what I'm fucking waiting for is the guy that's gone through this to go to a fucking couch, sit down with a fucking psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, am I cursing more than any guest no. you've ever had? No. And <laughs> pull back the layers of rape culture and toxic masculinity. And like, this is what I've been looking at. Yo, Bill Cosby, when he came up, there were ads for for roofies in the back of the magazines he was reading. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My, oh, my it's, goodness. In the backs of the magazines you were reading, they would have ads for the things you could put in a woman's drink. 
Or yeah. Spanish fly. Remember when I was a kid? Like that's what Spanish, I'm talking. Yes. Yeah, Spanish fly was always, and that's code. Yeah, like you're gonna make some girl horny with this pill. It is at some point. This it, the same is true with racism. Like at some point, you have to commit to getting well. You have to admit that you're sick, that yeah. you are fucked, that you are ill, and you have to commit to getting well. You have to do the work and go. This is the water we've been swimming in. God, we are we're sick. Can I add one thing? This thing is set up to not allow for that. And I'll tell you okay. why I think so, is the side that's leading the charge, and God bless them, so glad they are, some faction of that side is more interested in retribution, per se, than growth. So the stakes are very fucking high, right? So for the guy to come out and say, you know what, I am a misogynist. I grew up in a culture where the worst thing you could be as a boy was a girl. You go to school, if you were a fucking girl, you were exiled. Okay, so over 18 years of hearing the worst thing in the world you could be as a girl... Yeah. Guess what? You feel superior to girls. And that blows. And that is how we were indoctrinated. Yes. But if I'm going to admit that and say, let me now work on that, you can't also take away my entire life because if the stakes are your, my life vanishes, then guess what? I'm not going to probably own up to that. And I'll say the same thing as with racism. Like the notion that there's racist or not racist, you're a Nazi or you're fucking, uh, I don't even right. know who the most liberal white person is, but. No, 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 no. I'm a fucking three, okay, out of 10. Right. At best, that's maybe the best I could have hoped to be on the racist scale is a three out of 10 from how I grew up in this system. So, but does that make any sense to you? Like, there's gotta be. I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying, but I, and I don't agree. Like, you know, there's no danger of you losing your life, using, losing your, in any way. Like, if you really want to talk about it, like, maybe you're talking about, like, oh, my grandkids will have a little less than I do. Nobody's coming to take your shit. Okay. Like, if you're a white guy, you're a white guy. I was married to Joy Bryan on TV, and she said, it's always white boy day. What are you talking about? Get out like, of oh, here. Like, right. nobody's coming to take your money. <laughs> nobody's coming to take your opportunities. Like, you're good until you die. Like, uh, if okay, you're here on this planet, yeah. if, you're, if you're here now, if, yeah. if anything you're talking about, you know, if, if you decide to fight for, for more equity and justice and equality for people that don't look like you, yeah, it, the world might look a little different for your grandkids, meaning they might have to i'm not talking about you now yeah but they might have to actually compete Com compete <laughs> they might have plane. to yeah, yeah, actually yeah. be competent instead of just being handed shit because yes. they're white like you know it, that's the fucking price you take but here's the good news you'll leave them a shitload of money you're gonna leave them a lot more <laughs> than my parents left me you're gonna leave them yeah. the house and the uh, the wealth you've accumulated you right. know black people are so so far behind because you know, there's been a fucking hand at our forehead, yeah. To, you know, to accumulate property, like blatantly excluded policy in writing, excluded for sure. But if you're a white person and you're here fighting for justice, it is not going to affect your personal life while you're here. You're yeah. fighting for your kids and your. Grandkids. I guess I'm just saying I don't know how, but I've eked out this little existence where I can say that I can say I'm a three, and I know. I know times I've been a three, right? Because I'm just, I'm unaware. Now, I can say I'm a three, and for some reason that won't have much fallout. But I got to imagine, like, if Tom Hanks comes out and says, like, I think I'm a four racist. Sure. 
I don't know if he's fearful that will have a huge impact on whether he works again or not. But I, I see what oh. you're saying that but it no, won't. I won't affect. Not it. if there's a follow up of I'm a four and I'm working to be a zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. sentence. There's no fallout. Yeah, there's okay. no fallout. Like I'm it's, with you. Like yeah, if you're a nine and you're like and I'm staying and that's yeah. that's where cancel culture comes in. <laughs> I'm a nine. In. I'm trying to yeah. get to ten before I yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And by the way, you should be canceled if that's your mentality. <laughs> right. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the man who's accused of like treating women poorly or you know doing these things privately and being like oh my god and dealing with that here you get to you've created a platform for yourself thank god i'm, I'm so and, I, and i'm curious to see like if you feel like it's made you a better person all these hours of conversations with people but you know if you are willing to work on it there's no such thing you're willing to have conversation and, well, and by the way the it, re it requires friendships right where, where you trust the, the person so joy bryant has like defeated me in like four epic racial debates and one of them being i'll give you an example tell me i just fucking hated chris brown a i'm in love with rihanna so that's part of it right we all are come on and then <laughs> and then you know my mom was beat by a husband i witnessed that so i have my own particular distaste for that and so I was, you know, going on about fucking Chris Brown and what a piece of shit he is and how I'd love to fight him and yeah, 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 yeah. And Joy's like, you know, do you feel that way about this actor? And she names a, a white actor who's been found guilty of spousal abuse. And then she names another one and another one. And all of a sudden I go, oh my God, you're right. I mean, those, that's objectively right. the exact same thing. And yet I am very able to label chris brown a monster or a bad guy or evil and most certainly a part of it is he's black that, that has this could be the only explanation can i give you one tiny in your on your defense and i and i i'm on joy's side i want to say because like don't nobody's going to cancel me but i i'm going to give you a tiny bit for your defense the next time you guys get into the in the fight yeah well it was like the only difference was God, Rihanna's so tired of talking about this. And, God, and yeah, I love yeah, her yeah, too. Yeah. Like, God, I yeah. love that woman. Oh, you know, oh, I love oh. what she's built. But I'll say this and then I'll put it down. I relate it to the Me Too thing too. The only thing that was different was when we saw that picture. That's yeah. that's what I was, funny enough, that's what I was hanging the entire argument. After when she exposed picture, me for feeling differently, I'm like, yeah. I, I saw the pictures, dude, and it was it was gnarly. You know, she, she had been attacked and I was like, when we heard about it, what we all pictured was like, ah, you know, what is it, right? It, yeah. And to to get off them for a second, like to go to the Me Too movement, it was like, without calling names, you know, all of us when you when you when we hear about these guys going down, you're like, ah, come on, what would he say? Like he said, you had a nice top on or whatever, and right. you're like. Oh, you gave out sex toys for Christmas? Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, oh yeah, my bad. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. wait, wait. You jerked off in a plant? Wait, wh <laughs> yeah. what? The, what? Like yeah, 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 so yeah. we, we yeah. You, it was so much worse. Tell because room. we're conditioned to protect hey, people we love. Well, white men. Well, and black folks in the black community, they protected uh, R. Kelly yeah. too long. They protected. Yes. We, yeah, we, yeah. I think it's a parental 100%. thing. This is my armchair theory on it. Is like. We all have parents that are flawed and we love them and we we get practiced at making excuses for these people we love. And then so now now we love Bill Cosby and he's kind of our dad too. And for a while we're pretty good at like we've been down this road. You know, my dad does have a temper and da 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 da. I think we're we're pretty we're pretty conditioned to forgive people we love for but atrocious behavior because of our parents. Chris Brown, you know. Prior, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And so 
with the white guys doing the exact same thing, my point is we're a little more conditioned to be like, that's probably a little more gray mm -hmm. yes. than it is with the with the black guy. And well, I will benefit say, of the doubt. You somehow extend yes. benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I think part of it, it is the pictures, which ties into the whole system in general, which is media. Uh -huh. The media is more likely to be like, this black guy's bad. Yeah. These white guys, we're not going to show pictures of like the, you know. So it's all still part of this whole system where this is bad, this is maybe not so bad. It's true because she pointed out, I think that there was a picture of like Charlie Sheen's thing. There was a picture of his lady, and I right. had seen it. Sure. And yet, it wasn't equal. You know, I have to admit, right. it wasn't in my mind. It wasn't equal. And that's why you're a three. That's, why, <laughs> that's exactly why I'm a three. <laughs> Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Policy Genius. Policy Genius saves their home and auto customers an average of $1,127 a year by shopping top-rate insurers in one place. If you're thinking $1,127 is a weirdly specific amount, you're right. But they crunch the numbers, and that's what it is. In fact, crunching numbers is one of the things Policy Genius does best. Their insurance marketplace makes it easy to compare rates from the top home and auto insurance companies to find you the best price. Here's how it works. All you have to do is head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. After that, Policy Genius does all the work. They'll compare your existing policy against others in the market to make sure you're getting the right coverage at the best possible price. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched all for free, Monica. Oh my gosh. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. If you're a homeowner, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. They've saved their home and auto insurance customers an average of $1,127 a year. Who knows what weirdly specific amount they could save you? We are supported by OxyClean, versatile stain remover, which is a go-to product for our home and not just for laundry. Now, have you ever tossed out a shirt, Monica, because of a stain you couldn't get out? It's the saddest thing. You don't need to because OxyClean is here to help. Did that glass of Merlot turn into a glass of Merlot? No. When you spilled onto <laughs> ah. the carpet? Yes, of course. OxyClean Versatile Stain Remover in your home also works in your vehicles, okay? Ooh, you need that for your black I, on black on black. That's band. right. I have used it for the carpet inside my vehicles, and it works wonders. I don't think there's anything OxyClean can't clean. It's powered by oxygen, activated by the air we breathe and the water we drink. Its unique bubbling formula gets tough dirt and grime out of clothes, carpets, bathroom tile, and grout, and even outdoor patio furniture. It breaks down and decolorizes stains so they disappear right before your eyes. You've got to try OxyClean Versatile Stain Remover for yourself. To work your magic with OxyClean, go to OxyClean.com slash try me and order a free sample. That's OxyClean.com slash T-R-Y-M-E for a free stain fighting sample while supplies last. OxyClean, work your magic. You know, raising this girl... I was struck, too, when, when hearing some of those stories, Louis' story or um, Charlie Rose's story or who's the other one? The brilliant brother, the, the comedian. Yeah, yeah, Aziz. Netflix, right? Hearing those stories. And now some of those stories were about physical violence, right? Were about someone overpowered you. So we're not, we're not talking about that. And that, like, that, is, that is something that men have to deal with 
man to man. Like you got to deal with like what has brought you to the place where you are overpowering another human being and, yeah. and imp imposing your will on them, right? Yeah. That's colonialism. That's some evil, wicked shit. Yeah, yeah. But some of those situations were just that, you know, we have to have these conversations with our young women, with our girls, because some of them were literally, you did not feel in your body enough. You did not feel enough agency in your body to get up off a couch and walk out a door. Like the yep, only yep. thing that stopped you from the psychological harm that was inflicted upon you was your willingness, your ability to stand up and walk out a door. And that is that is true of anybody, you know, because the power dynamics, oh, yeah. sometimes they are, they're physical, right? Like we're saying, you know, the, the police departments, they are the most violent arm of white supremacy, but there's what happens in education and what happens in banks and what happens in real estate. You know, there's lots of ways that the system them, oh yeah, is is set up. So the same is true of, you know, the way we raise our young women. You walk out the door, you know, there's a long history of you won't be believed. The police sure. won't take it seriously. If they do, they're going to give you basically a gynecological exam at a police station. You don't want that. Right. This person's probably going to end your career. The physical disparity, the sexual dimorphism that my wife will point out. She's like, you know, I get into an elevator all the time and the person in the elevator is literally two times my size. Imagine you got in an elevator and there was a guy that was seven foot six and That's 400 right. pounds. You're aware of your vulnerability. That's right. That's right. And I certainly want to raise because I, I, I'm not a woman. And yet I've had experiences where. You know, the thing that stopped me from being taken advantage of in some way was the fact that I, as a man, have been raised to be in my body, to own my voice, to yeah. to own my yes and my no. And like, there's times that I say no. And it's, sometimes it's hard and they'll call me names as I'm walking out the door. You know, they say yeah. names at my back, but but I got out. I got out the door. And some of those situations were just somebody that that did not feel powerful enough. They didn't feel like they could get up and walk out the door. And I don't want that for my kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a conversation before she was like two. No was, of course, one of the first words she learned. <laughs> and so the family, the family was doing this thing where they'd ask her, um, hey, Lucy, can I have a hug? And she, no. And then, oh, you know, they come and give her a hug. Lucy, can I have a kiss? No. And they'd give her a kiss. And me and my wife talked about it one day late one night. We're like, we need to talk to our family. Yeah. And we need to tell uh. them that when she says no, you have to respect that. If you ask her and she says no. Yep. Oh, but yeah. we, we had one where I, I kicked myself for like three weeks, which is we were at this person's house and he wanted to give our daughter a hug goodbye and and she didn't want to. And then he then he basically said, like, in so many words, I'll give you this thing. Can I have a hug? And then I was just kind of observing it, not thinking of the the terrible pattern I just co-signed on. And then we left and I was like, oh, my God, man, I should have said, like, no, dude, you're not teaching her to exchange her affection for some fucking object but it, you know it's just happening so fast there you go it's like of i course. would think i'm the type of person that i would have done something but i was i guess afraid to make everything awkward and blah 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 and then i was like you know going forward i gotta i gotta intervene i gotta stand up but you know you gotta learn that's that a little there. bit you yeah. exactly that's why those experiences are there look what a tiny experience that you had to learn a big old you know that that was the experience we had we we let it yeah. go on for a little bit and then we yep. were like okay we need to put a stop to it yeah. you know so they're they're there so that we can write the small lesson in bold print, yeah. you know?
First of all, this has been so fucking fun, but I must, <laughs> I insist we promote you as the brilliant star that you are. Now, Hamilton, I just watched it. Let me first say, I cannot stand musicals. My wife and I could not be <laughs> further apart in our interests, right? I'm like, I don't get it. They're singing their emotions to one another, whatever. I have like two musicals in my life. I loved Book of Mormon and I saw Hamilton in, in New York and I was fucking blown away. I was blown away on so many levels. Just the fact that he got that whole book into that musical is impossible, but it was done. And then you guys were so outrageously great. And then we watched, of course, it on Disney Plus a couple nights ago. And this, this is the question I wanted to ask you. Did they record that in one night or was that multiple shows that they cut together? Two nights. Two nights and then a couple days of, you know, pickups of like close-ups and stuff. Okay, so I'm like, you know, some of these people had to have gone home thinking that was one of their worst shows. Oh, yeah. And it was just informative as a fellow performer. I'm like, everyone was brilliant. These mm. times I think I sucked, I probably didn't. Yeah. The times I thought I was great, I was probably just as good as I sucked. <laughs> sure. I just wonder like what what your personal experience is like, how, how the show can differ, yeah. even though for us, probably we can't see it. The writing is king on Broadway anyway. So like, you know, you get a great piece of writing and you just really have to get out of the way as an actor. So I, I ain't write it. Like that's all Lynn. Um, <laughs> my two Bibles, my Old Testament and my New Testament for this show were Lynn's script, of course, and David Mamet's True and False. Oh, David Mamet's True and False was so instructive to me doing this what? show. Tell me why. It's a book on acting. Oh, okay. True and False is a is a book on acting. And essentially his theory is that <laughs> like that actors can only fuck things up. And the only thing you can do as an actor is to say the lines that the author has written loud enough so that the audience can hear them. <laughs> I like that. Makes the life end. easy. Yeah. What is it, one-page book? <laughs> yes. David Mamet said, when you are doing my plays, make sure they're heard and get off the American stage. Like, the end, right? <laughs> wow. So, But the follow-up behind that is essentially, listen, if something comes up for you, if my writing inspires something in you, don't stop that. Yeah. But all he's saying is, don't walk on the stage imposing your will on my writing. Oh, mm. if you're not feeling anything, don't do anything. If you're not feeling anything, just say my words. Listen, and I'm on stage with David Diggs oh and Philip Sue and oh. Lynn Manuel oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Renee Elise Goldberg. I mean, you, Anthony Ramos. I mean, give me a break. Like, there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot here for me that really all I have to do is turn to my left and look, and I'm inspired. And so that that is the way I was working in that show. Like, just whatever comes up, I don't deny, and if I don't feel anything, I don't do anything. Ugh. That's great, great advice. Yes, you. But you, you got, you got it right. As you can imagine, you've been through negotiations before. So, the day before the movie, we were still in negotiations of whether I was going to do the movie uh -huh. because the movie had been announced that they were they were filming the show that had been announced, but mm, no one had called my agent to like ask if I wanted to do. You know, I'm yeah, our agent yeah, as yeah. a company. You know, you feel me? It was like, yes. it was assumed that we wanted to do the movie and that we would do it for a certain number. And all this stuff was assumed. And mind you, we're a week before the contracts end, okay? So it's yeah. like, the wonderful thing about what's happening in the streets is it has opened the door for more honest conversation like the one we're having right now. Yeah. So four yeah. years ago, when I was negotiating that contract, 
Let me say this. My favorite quote that's come out of the streets from this movement is <laughs> that America is lucky Black people are not looking for revenge. We're looking yeah. for equality. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not like looking too. for revenge. And I'll say the reason why it resonated with me is because of my personal experience and all the Black people that I've ever known. Like, that really is what we're fighting for. We're, they came to me with an offer. And, you know, with Leslie, we're shooting tomorrow. And I'm like, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. This is it. This is my area of expertise. This is all I have. This is my life's work on the stage too, right? And so I just can't sell it away from Magic Beans. Like, I can't, I can't give it away. Yeah, good for you. And so, like, you're coming to me with this number, right? Yeah. So I can ask CAA, what does my white counterpart, what does Aaron Tveit make to do Grease Live on TV? What Thank does you. he make to do Grease yeah. This yeah. is Hamilton yeah. Live, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So when I found out what he made, Dax, I didn't ask for a penny more. I didn't nice. ask for one penny more, but I said, you must pay me exactly what that white boy got to do yeah. these lives. Yeah. Good That's for you. That's the bottom yeah. line. That is about, you know, I love my, my white liberal friends. I, you know, love white people, right? But don't be in the streets talking about Black Lives Matter if my black life doesn't matter. Like, essentially, don't wait for the fucking cops to kill me before my black life matters. Yes. If yes, my yes, black life yes. matters, make sure that I can take money home to feed my children. To a thousand percent. Side note, I told Kristen, Frozen 3 comes along. This is exactly what I want you to do. I want you to walk in with what Robert Downey Jr. made for his franchise. I want you to walk in with... I want you to walk uh -oh. in with five white males <laughs> and what they made on their $3 billion franchise. And you say, I'll be taking this. Well, and the thing is, you know, when I talk to young people and talk about the power of your yes or your no and getting up off the couch and simply walking out the door, you have to, it doesn't always work, right? Yeah. Negotiations, I lose jobs sometimes. You know, the day before we shot that movie, I called out. I was not kidding. I was not coming to work the next day to right. do the movie. You know, I was not kidding. It was a principle for me. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, right. like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they look at you and they go, we're just not paying it. And you have to go, that's okay. For me, it is consistently because in, in this capitalist society, wh white dudes have set the pace. I'm going, what is the comp? What is my counterpart making to do this same work? I just want the same thing. I think there's this layer that happens with minorities and women hey. where there is this sense that like they should be so grateful. Yeah. Whoa. And they shouldn't ask for more because they should be so grateful they're in this position that they're getting this much. This is a lot. And not Brilliant. looking at, yeah, the white counterpart or the male counterpart and saying they're doing the exact same thing or way less and getting way more. <laughs> There's this like sense of you should have gratitude and it's so fucked. <laughs> well said. There's a line in the in the brilliant Toni Morrison documentary. I think it's called Pieces of Me. It was brilliant. And um, she says she had to go to her. It's fucking Toni Morrison. You know what I mean? She was an editor. Yeah. And she was, you know, this is like the 80s, like the 70s, 80s. So you know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know what she was dealing with. But she had to go in. She was a single mom. And she walked in and she was like, I'm looking at all the editors. They're all white men. And like, this guy's getting this and I'm getting this. The, her boss said, oh, you know, what do you need that for? He's got a, he's got a family. You know, and she said, oh. I am head of household. He said, but Tony, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, I am head of household. End of conversation. And he, you know, she got her money. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's really thinking of us. You know, it's, it's sometimes we got to do a little work to get people to know that we're the same. <laughs> the yeah. same. And dude, you, you know, you won the Tony. You won a Grammy for that album. 
what's nice about that is it's like it at least it makes it objective a bit like this isn't your ego going crazy it's like mm. i have this accolade this white dude has this accolade his play was this successful ours was this successful you know tell me how that makes sense everybody's got their achilles heel right so let's say mine is i always knew that since I was a kid, you know, like whenever I'm asking for justice or fairness, like the, the first thing that they do is like to say that I'm egotistical. How, how we'll destroy you is we'll say that you're an asshole. We'll say that you're egotistical. The subtext, right, is cocky, is not appreciative, right. is the things Monica just said. I had to remind my friend, you know, my, my friend, the producer, just because, in, like you said, in the light of today, in the light of this context, I want you to go back and look at the letter that I wrote you when we were talking about this. That was not my ego then. It is not my ego now. Yeah. What I was asking you for was parody. That's it. Yep. It was never yep. my ego, bro. I promise you. Yeah. Boy, that's uh <laughs> it's it's embarrassing for all of us. Okay. We're fixing it. Yeah, we're fixing it. I love your song Go Crazy. Oh. Hey. The video's sexy, Monica. Mm. PQ. Thank you. Mm. You don't listen to the show, but that means p- pussy not, quivers. Listen, it's not not sexy. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it's not not it's sexy. Not, right. And it doesn't not give you PQs. Uh now, the woman in the video. Yes. Who's the woman in the video? Oh, her name is Jazz. Okay, so so here's what I was thinking. So I was like, this is tricky because <laughs> you're married and you're married to an actress. Yes. And if I'm you, I'm like, well, hun, see, this is like a sexy song about like single people. Like this isn't a song about married people. So I'm going to need to get some very attractive. I got to build this single. I can see me making this case to my wife. And I'm yes. just curious. Well, we, we've had those conversations. You know, we've been together 12 years and we've had to have those honest conversations, especially as success goes up and down for both of us and all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, we just really check in with each other and go, what is our expectation? And then we just have to have honest conversations about it. We had a conversation not too long ago because my wife is a brilliant actress and a brilliant singer. And what I'm always trying to get her to understand is like, babe, you are always at the top of my mind. Like, yes, I, I am never skipping past you. Like when it just I want her trust as a creator, like as a creator, like trust that if it's in remotely right for you, you're yeah. my woman. Like you're the. But yes, but if I'm not fighting for you, if I'm not advocating for you for a particular part or moment, it's just because I think that there's somebody more appropriate. Well, I, I dude, I can give you the example, which is like I wrote this movie about my, my using years before I got sober. And it's like, I'm not casting Kristen as one of these junky gals I paled around with back then. Like, it's just not her sweet spot. So, you know, artistically, I would have to say this isn't the one for you. Right. We've had to have those conversations. And it- it's interesting because you're in your video, you're playing Leslie Odom Jr. So yes. I just think it's more complicated. <laughs> it, it is a little more complicated, but we've had to, you know, we've we've had to have those conversations. Like in the Regina, in the movie that we just wrapped up, a different actress was cast as my wife. Regina cast a different actress as my wife. When I read the script, I always thought that Nicolette would be great. Now, because of COVID, that actress wasn't willing to come and finish the movie. Right. And so Regina called me like, yo, what are we going to do? I was like, well, you know, I happen to live with an actress. <laughs> I, I happen know? to be quarantined with a great actress. And we could be good. And so Nicolette ended up playing my wife. And she's brilliant. She's beautiful in this movie. She plays Sam Cook's wife in this movie. So, you know, like I, I I'm I'm trying to also use the evidence of our life. Like, you know, that 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 yeah. helps me because it's like, babe, I promise you, when it's something that you're gonna shine. We've come through it. I said quarantine's been 
we, man, the, the things we've learned about each other and the way we've grown in this thing is, um, you know, exceptional. It's, it, is, it is a horrible, trying time for so many. So many of my friends feel their backs up against the wall. And, you know, it's like, it's just the most of everything in quarantine right now. Like it's the, it's the most beautiful time and the most dreadful time, all of it, right? Yeah. Can I ask a technical question about when you're doing a show like Hamilton? Are you on vocal rest when you're not there? I mean, you really got to protect your voice, right? I wasn't. Some shows you do, but Hamilton was in every way that the experience and the project just just fit me like a glove. You know, it wasn't written out of my range. It was something that I I had to take care of myself and I was happy to take care of myself. Is it less stressful to be like rapping a lot of it? Is that helpful? No, because it because no, there was, you know, there's a lot of screaming and talking and all that shit. All I can say is like my training and shit. Like I'm I'm just sort of You're built good. for that eight shows a week kind of thing. You know, like I love doing this thing. Like for some people, it'd be death to do the same show 500 times. I did that show over 500 times. Oh like, my gosh. To me, like that's exciting. I get to show up tonight and try to be better than I was last night. Just keep digging and digging until, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what Kristen pointed out. I was I was lamenting about how I just I could not do I couldn't do eight shows a week for for yeah. for a year. She goes, yeah, but baby, you're comparing it to something you wouldn't want to do, basically, which is try right. to sing and you suck at singing. She's like, did you did you mind doing a live show at the Groundlings every Sunday? I'm like, no, fucking live for it. She's like, what if you could have done that eight eight times a week? And I'm like, oh right. yeah, yeah, I would have. But as you get older, I'm wondering, has your appetite like because it is such a commitment, and you have a you have a baby all these different things, you have other opportunities that probably pay more for less work. Does it get less appealing or do you think you will always keep returning? Oh, I, w I would love to return. I mean, it has to be something worthwhile because the sacrifice is so great. You, you don't make a lot of money and you are away from your family. You do have to take care of yourself, you know, all those things. And so it just, the only requirement is that it has to be something worthwhile, which is a tall order. But no, man, I, I look at it as it's like ministry to me, you know, it, writes my whole life you know yeah. it just it puts me in touch with my purpose and I, I didn't get in the business to be a celebrity or be t in tv and movies i wanted to be on broadway so like any chance i get to do that and they say the neon lights are bright on Broadway, on Broadway. George Benson, baby. Wait, I want to. I want to share one. You can tell me if it's true because this is through Kristen's brain. But it's a. It's a story of hope. So I do want our listeners to hear it. She said that you know, yeah, she knew you from New York, knew how talented you were, and then she saw you working at a grocery store, and she's like, oh man. This guy's just so unbelievably talented, and he's working at a grocery yeah, store. Yeah, it'd be like if Babe Ruth took your keys at the valet. You'd be like, dude, aren't you supposed to be swinging a, a bat? Something doesn't feel right in the universe that this yeah. is happening. And then, you know, a week later, she heard that you got Hamilton. Right. Is that a true story? It's a true story. I can tell story. already that the part of it's wrong because I know he quit. He had a TV job that he backed out of to do Hamilton, which oh. I think yeah. must have took the most amount of bravery of your whole career. But it would have taken more bravery actually not to do Hamilton because I I knew how special that show was. But um, to, so to like to not do Hamilton for you know a bag of money, I was just like I wouldn't take anything. I wouldn't take yeah. anything to not do Hamilton. But she's right that yeah, I mean my survival job at some point I just had happened to. God, this is this is gonna make me sound like a shitty person though. But no, but I feel like your podcast is about telling the truth. So the truth is, oh, I feel so bad. But I'm 22, <laughs> 23 years old, and 
during the summers back at home, I had worked my way up to cashier at a grocery store at home. So I knew I was quick at the register and like, I, you know. And it's good money, right? There's a union and you're getting like triple time on a Sunday if it's a holiday. Yeah. I, my, one of my best friends in the Groundlings, Tim Lovestead, he, sometimes he call, I'm like, what are you making today? He's like, four and a half times. Bro. <laughs> well, you do you remember the grocery strike? The union struck. And so I was a scab. Oh, <laughs> Oh. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I, I, I applaud your honesty. And by the way, I've been so many things worse than a scab. So you are in safe, you're in good company. Scab. Yeah, so I did, that was that was my survival job. But we didn't know how, like the grocery store strike, it ended up, we didn't know if it was going to be a week or two weeks. I wouldn't scab today, I want to say. I've learned I would not scab anything today. But I'm 22 years old and, and I'm, you know, I'm dying out in L.A., and so they were striking. And so you don't know, is, is it a week? Is it going to last two weeks? But they were paying everybody the maximum, oh. which at that time was like $17 an hour. Wow. Give it to me. Bro, to scan groceries at the yeah. grocery store. Talk like, with beautiful moms. and Come on. Yeah. So yeah I, I did it for like three months. I, I, it could, the strike lasted a long time, unfortunately. Um, I'm sorry. I really am sorry to all the union workers. Well, dude, I think the fact that you own that is the greatest thing. And your book, failing up, I think addresses that, right? Like the, the many, many setbacks. I mean, because if I look at, if, if, if I tell one version of your life, right, it's that you were on Broadway at 17 years old, that you've been on Broadway for 22 years, more than you've not been on Broadway. But that's not the complete story, is it? No, I did that Broadway show and then it was over a decade before I did another one. It was, you know, over a decade before I did another Broadway show. And then, um, and I've only done three, you know, it was, there was Rent, which was a dream come true. You know, I, did, I say sometimes half joking, you know, but I, I didn't want to be in on television and movies. I didn't want to be in show business even. I wanted to be in Rent. Like uh, that was uh -huh. my dream. So it was like I'd won a fan contest or something, you know, like yeah. I, I, one day I'm loving the show. And then the next I like blink my eyes and I'm standing in the in the seasons of love line and like singing to an audience. It's crazy. Yeah. I did that show and then I had to dream another dream for myself. So then the next show that I did over 10 years later was a show called Leap of Faith. We ran two and a half weeks on Broadway before we closed. And then the next show was Hamilton. Wow. Wowzers. That's wild. You got two albums that are out. I think you're making another one maybe. It's rumored. Yeah, man. But 2016, Leslie Odom Jr., number one on the jazz charts. 2018, Simply Christmas, number one on the jazz charts. Your single, Go Crazy, is is everywhere and doing great. Yeah, that's from my first album of all original music. I just put out an album of all original music, and I'm super proud of it. This weekend, we went, after the movie, of course, we went to, we were number one on iTunes pop charts for the whole weekend. And oh, yesterday, awesome. it was amazing. Yeah. That's great, man. Congratulations. Thank I'm you. so happy to hear that. Oh, last thing I got to say, Central Park is the oh. best cartoon I've seen since The Simpsons. I mean, you're oh. on, you're on like one of the greatest cartoons ever made. I can't believe how good it is. Like Kristen had early ones and she, let's watch it. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. You know, I got to watch Encore about people reassembling their musical theater, high <laughs> My school My wife thing. loves that show. By I'm way. sure <laughs> she does. I'm sure yeah. she does. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I watch. And so this thing starts and I'm like, my goodness, babe, you are in like the best cartoon uh, in the world right it's a now. Good cartoon, it's a good cartoon. And Josh, you know, Josh and I went. You, you, you know, Josh very well. I, I love Josh's episode of your show. But Josh and I went to college together. Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, we we were little babies, and I've been working on his weird little projects for 
over 20 years. This is the first time he's ever paid me, though. So yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, we're having a ball. I love it. That's great. That's great. And that's yeah. on Apple. And Apple. then, of course, Hamilton is on Disney+. Plus. And then your music is available everywhere music's available. Leslie, right. I hope when all this is over, we're all, we'll all hang. You, Bell, and love that. Nicolette and I. Yeah, that would be fun. I would love that. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Dax, for making making space. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We love your show. Oh, thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Article. Your home is an extension of you. When you're looking to create a personal oasis, Article is here to help make your home your happy place. With organic, natural materials, high-quality craftsmanship, and modern design, Article's selection of furniture makes it easy to create a space you'll always want to come home to. I think their furniture is gorgeous. You've gotten a bunch of Article stuff for your new house, and it's starting to populate your living room, and I love looking at it. It looks really sleek, and it is very high-end, but it also has function and is comfortable. Yes, it screams Monica because Article combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. Article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. You save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. No showrooms, no salespeople, no retail markups. Fast, affordable shipping is available across the U.S. and Canada, and it's free on orders of over $9.99. Article is offering Armcherry's $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash DAX, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash DAX to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash DAX. We are supported by BetterHelp. If you are struggling with anxiety or depression or stress right now, you are not alone. In fact, most of the people in my life... Ding, ding, ding. That means me. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You're one of the ding, ding, dings. But I think all of us, everyone in our circle has had some real lulls. I think it's to be expected during this unprecedented time. BetterHelp offers online licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and help. Counselors specialize in many diverse areas, including depression, grief, anxiety, relationship conflicts, and more. I am a huge proponent of talking to an objective outsider to get eyes on your problem. It's always been helpful to me. All you got to do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. Talk with your counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience from wherever you're comfortable. You can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages. Everything you share is confidential. And if for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and armchairs get 10% off their first month with the discount code DAX. Get started today at BetterHelp.com DAX. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot D-A-X. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. I'm happy to be back here. I know you've been out of town. Yeah, I had a one-week trip. business trip. Mm-hmm. It sounds funny to call it a business trip. That seems like what moms and dads do at a embassy suites. That's what you did. Well, that's true. You're I was a mom and dad, and you stayed in virtually an embassy. I suites. was in a Holiday uh, in Express mm. at one point, and then a Sheridan. And I don't know if it's Sheridan or Sheraton. I think it's Sheridan. Ten. 
Oh, I think it's a D. I don't know. Is it a D? Neither of these are endorsements. Uh, It's a D. It's a D, Mm -hmm. Sheridan. Wait, Sheridan? No. Oh, hold on. That's a different Sheridan. Uh It's Sheraton. Okay, with a T. I was right to be nervous. Oh, my God. Good thing we checked. Yeah. Jess texted me the other day, and he said, did you know it's actually hard as hail, not hard as hell? What? Yes. And then I said, really? And then he immediately said, actually, no. Uh So, so he must have. I think he heard it on TikTok. Oh, yeah, he's he's getting a lot of his info now from TikTok. Pretty much exclusively from TikTok. I I thought they ended it because it was a Chinese company. So did I, but it's still there. It's not slowing anyone down, huh? I think what happened is, you know, a lot of Southerners say that hard as hail. One of my favorite pronunciations of hell like that was on this program about an animal wrangler. He'd go get like alligators out of swamps and stuff. Sure. He got bit by a snake. He wasn't there to deal with a snake, but he was there to deal with an alligator on his way back to his truck to get some tools. He just saw a snake in the grass. So they weren't even on him tight. And he's like, I don't want a snake. And he grabbed it. And then then all of a sudden he heard, ow, it hurt like hell. (laughs) He got bit by the snake, which wasn't even why he was there. Oh. And then I was wondering how good he was at this job. Yeah. You're right to question (laughs) it. Because he was very much fashion first he he had like really um, bleached hair and spiky and lots of um like true religion chains in the wallet wait was it guy fieri no no but very similar look okay yeah so good you're on the right path okay he just went and got things out of people's palms and yards Mm. and yeah oh my i think you know but i don't think you know i really hate snakes Oh, really? Yes. Number one on your hate list? Okay, or or let's call it fear list. Okay, but you'd rather be face-to-face with a snake than a lion. <laughs> I hope so. Yes. Yeah. I get sort of paralyzed thinking about a oh. snake. One of my best friends from home has like a true phobia of it, even if you like say it. Like if she hears it. Oh, my God. You know who I thought your friend was immediately? Oh. Indiana Jones. Oh, does Indiana Jones hate snakes? snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? He hates oh, snakes. Does it's he only... get paralyzed? Yeah, it seems to be the only thing he was afraid of. Does Remember, he goes into that I've pyramid. Never seen it. You've never seen Indiana Jones? Okay, I have seen one of them at the Cannes Film Festival, but oh I was mainly God. like not paying attention and pretty high on all the celebrities that were there. Yeah, and also probably was one of the later ones. I make no claims on the later ones. It was, it was, yeah. But the first movie is insanely great. Okay. I mean, they built a ride at Universal. I know, but isn't there some racist stuff? Or no? Is not that... that I'm aware of. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe not. I don't, I don't know, know why I thought that. Anyway. You never know. I watch some of these things now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that would, no, that's not a up. great, well, short circuit, let's just say. You know, you got a, <sighs> oh my God. you got an Anglo man playing Indian. Wow. So I never heard of that movie. Right. And all you remember is if you were a kid is the robot came to life. That's really what you remember. Yeah. So Kristen decided to show it to a viewing party Mm -hmm. for the kids and we were all there. And then there's a brown face situation. (laughs) Sure. It's a little troubling. And an accent. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I would have never even thought of any of it. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, yeah, this is very outdated. Yeah. Okay, now back to Indiana Jones. Okay. I don't think there's anything like okay. that in there, but 
Of course, we should watch it together. I'll find out in fast order if there's something dicey. Well, I'm not going to like the snakes part. I'm telling you right now. But you might love it because the hero who's fearless also fears snakes. Mm. So you might feel a great kinship. Okay. He does not go into brownface at any point okay. in the movie. But he, he is like, awfully tan. Well, he gets into some dust-ups where he gets dirty, but right. he's never presumed to be a different ethnicity. Do you think he gets covered in dust and then someone like thinks he's Indian and then starts speaking in an accent? Like some, some of misunderstanding? The, well, it's possible some of the extras in the background, the BG players, yeah. they might be making some choices and assumptions that the director didn't intend. I can't speak to them whether they're looking at him going oh i think he's plain indian okay i can't speak on that because they don't have lines but then what if they don't have lines but maybe they um in the background they're talking to each other and they're moving their mouths because like they no longer respect well no like they're supposed to be like in the like diner like talking yeah. but they're just actually voiceless but even though they're voiceless they're doing an accent in their brain oh okay that's that could possible. be happening yeah I thought you were going another direction, which is they're supposed to be pantomiming, um, not making any noise. But once yeah. they decided he was in brown face, they thought all bets are off. I'm speaking in a scene. Oh, I thought I'm that's white, what you're, so I I'm allowed to speak. That I've called this guy's supposed to be the lead of the movie, but now he's not. I'm yeah. the lead of the movie. Lots of racist stuff could be happening. That that's right. We don't know about. Yeah. Why were we talking about snakes? You're afraid of snakes. Okay. What about submersion therapy? Were you immersion? Immersion, sorry, uh, immersion therapy. Well, I thought you meant submersion, and I was going to be submerged in snakes. Well, that's what I was thinking. Is what if we um, got like a coffin and we filled it oh. halfway up with snakes? They, no. None of them were poisonous, so mentally no. you knew no. you could get in there, and nothing would happen. You would just be. But they could still strangle. Is heebie-jeebie racist? Oh no, it kind of sounds like it. It does, like right? It, yeah. yeah. Okay, now now back to this coffin yeah. uh, for your immersion therapy. If I fill it with half full of snakes, is there a figure that you would get in it for amount of money? Oh my god! Mm. And I knew for sure. Oh, okay. Oh, this is exciting. Oh my You're god. squirming all around like an actual snake. <laughs> so I know for sure they wouldn't be able to bite or strangle. Well, there's no guarantee they won't bite you. It's <gasps> that there's no poisonous ones, and we know that no snake bite on its own is deadly. But it would. Her oh big whoop, <gasps> just be like getting a, a shot. No, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, you might get a, a bite on your like inner thigh, ew, back of your ew, neck, ew. <gasps> your ear. One could be attached to your earlobe. Oh, uh, but what again, if this he is goes all inside my ear. Well, this is all just pain you can certainly tolerate. You've uh, had more painful things than getting bit by a snake in your life. And we're talking about a billion dollars oh, on the table. Oh, a billion? Yeah. Would you do it for a billion dollars? Yes. Okay. I would be irresponsible to not. See, a billion is not a good number because I would be a bad person if I didn't do that. Because then I could like give it to charity. That's right. I'm stuff. trying to get you in a position where you would seem unethical to not. Oh, oh I have one for you. That's going to be so over the top. You're going to have to cut it out. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, so you'll be anesthetized for this. Okay. And the snake will too. But they will put the snake in your butthole no. <laughs> and so that the face is aiming towards the exit of your butt. But it'll be up in your no. uh, your lower GI. Stop. And then they'll bring both of you awake. No. Because they have the technology. They'll do like a um, adrenaline shot for both of you. And then you'll have to let the snake crawl out 
What if of he your doesn't? Person. Well, we know it will in oh, this scenario. Okay. So yes, you have to have a snake put oh in your God. butt and let it crawl out of your butt. And what's the price tag on that? And is his mouth shut? No, no, what? no. No, his mouth is fully functional. We don't want to. We don't want to put the snake through any kind of um, stress. Okay, listen. I'm risking death here then. No, 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 no. Yeah. no. You would not die if a snake bit the inside of your butthole. Yes. Yes, I would. No. We have yeah. a team of surgeons on standby. Oh. You're not going to bleed out from this little fissure, this little gardener snake. Stop. I hate it. Garden snake? Gardener snake. Gardener oh, snake. Share it. No, don't get distracted. Don't, no, no, you're trying okay. to find safety in the uh, <laughs> uh, internet search. What's the price? Like, I can tell you what the price for me is. How much? 200 grand. No. Yeah. Dex, no. Yeah. That's not true. I don't have They're a fear lying. of a snake crawling out of my butt. In fact, if I could feel one in my butt, I would pray that it would crawl out. Well, let's be honest. Slither out. They Ew. don't crawl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody, but there's significant money on the table here. But the fact that he's getting implanted in there is a horrible part. No, he and I are both taking naps. And then we're both brought to a waking state, and we both realize, ooh, neither of us want to be in this position. The and snake so are starts you pushing making him it. out? With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like a I'm sure. poop? Yeah. I, don't, I think your so body, your muscle memory would take over, and you'd start pushing him out like he was a poop, whether you knew better or not. This makes me want to cry. Good. <laughs> What's the price? You're looking at maybe five, ten minutes of discomfort in your whole life. $50 million. $50 million. So for $49 million, you wouldn't have a snake up your butt? No. Wow. You have such integrity. I really admire it. I don't think it's integrity. It is. It is. $50 million, I could give a lot of way to charity. I could buy my house and renovate it exactly how I wanted yeah. it. And I could buy stuff for my family. For 10 and uncomfortable minutes. And I have plenty minutes. of money for children. Uh-huh. But not less than that. Okay, fifty million is the price. So, arm cherries. <laughs> if you all donate fifty dollars, which I know is a lot for a lot of you and not a lot for others, so maybe <laughs> the ones that that's not much, you could donate a hundred grand. Oh. I'm sorry, a uh, hundred dollars. But we could get this Stop. done. Now we're of course we're I underestimating the cost of the procedure and finding <laughs> medical professionals that would perform it. But let's not get hung up on that right now. Let's just try to crowdsource this oh fifty mil. To watch you people are deal gonna with a watch snake. It. Well, I think if people donate 50 bucks, they're entitled <laughs> to see it exit your butt, don't you? I mean, it, as long as they agree to not make it sexual. That seems like a reasonable thing to ask. It's a three-foot snake. That is not even fitting in my body. Sure it will. They, when you get a camera for a colonoscopy up your butt, it's like five foot of camera. But the, the snake can't get up in my organs. No, no. Again, it's going to be facing towards your rectum. Just to be I, really clear well, about this. Well, his head is going to be on his way out. That's right. That yeah. it, His head, hmm. would you feel more comfortable if the head stays outside of your anus? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Because part of it is I'm scared he's, he's going to start bite. biting me inside my but butt. But I think his, his, his or her, let's not be sexist. He's definitely her a goal, boy. Her goal might be just to exit. There's no, I don't know why biting anything makes you feel no, okay. like you're exiting quicker this has to be part of it because as soon as he comes out he's definitely a boy as soon as he comes <laughs> out he's gonna be riled up he's gonna be pissed 
Or relieved to be no. out of your butt. He's going to be pissed he was stuck and then he got released. And then he's definitely going to bite my neck off. No, 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 no. Well, listen, if you found yourself, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were in a room with no doors or windows. Stop. You know what? Would your scared. first option be to start biting the walls or would you try to start figuring out how to get out of there? You wouldn't bite the walls. Biting would, would be as- low, oh low on your list of. But I'm not a snake. Snakes bite. That's what they do. In a pinch when it helps them to defend themselves. But they're not biting as a hobby. But they think they need to defend against me because I'm like keeping them in my butt. Well, but they don't know you're in. He knows. They don't know they're in your butt specifically for sure. I don't think they even know they're in a butt, much less yours. Okay, quick question. Okay. If you had to wake up in someone's butt, (laughs) live or dead, oh, whose butt would you want to wake up in? Okay. Matt Damon's? Hmm. No, because truthfully, I think I'd want to wake up in a girl's butt. Mm-hmm. Probably a Me vegetarian's too. butt. Okay. Because they're mm. getting all their poop out of there. Yeah, stinkier, but yeah. That's a good point. Mm. I don't want it to be stinky. I have one. Okay, who? Penelope Cruz circa Vanilla Sky. Tell me why. You have to tell me why. Is your head like the snakes? Like it's like kind of towards the butthole. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then to me that for whatever reason that seems obvious that I'd want it to be Penelope Cruz why? from from Vanilla Sky. I pick. Gwyneth Paltrow. That's a good pick. This That's could be an award pick. we gave out at the end of every year because <sighs> it says a lot about the person. It's like a hygiene award, uh-huh. a diet award. Yeah, I'm trying to think, who do I think is like the cleanest mm-hmm. person? Gwyneth is a good, that is that's good. Hu- yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. That's pretty good. All right, I'll, Look, I'll you, take you that You could now. wake up in there next to other things that they that Goop decided was also good to be in your butt. That's the only potential downside, I think. Oh, but yeah. I'd be okay with sharing space. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll stick with Gwyneth for now. Great. Speaking of hot people. Oh, okay. Leslie. Oh, sure, sure, oh sure, sure. Wowzers. Yeah, yeah. X Factor Galore. Yes. But okay, so he mentions Kristen's Lifetime movie. That movie is called Gracie's Choice. Gracie's Choice. Gracie's a 16 year old girl whose mother is on a fast track to self destruction. Uh oh. The police arrest her mother and separate the children, but Gracie does whatever she can to keep her family together. Yeah. The mother is in and out of their lives, and her sister gets pregnant and runs off to get married. So Gracie takes on the challenge of being the caregiver and guardian to her brothers while putting herself through school and working part time. She has a lot on her plate. I've watched this movie. It's great. She's great. An added bonus to watching it, and truth be told is the reason I checked it out in the first place, is her mother was visiting for a lot of that movie. Mm. And her mother got put in as background, so she makes some crosses. Oh. And she really got carried away with the crosses. There are scenes where her mother crosses three, four times in a scene. (laughs) Gracie will go into another room, and lo and behold, that woman is also crossing in that room. Okay. I, it is great oh my God. fun if you wow. know and love Lori and you know and love Kristen to watch it for that reason. 
to be fair to Lori, who I yeah. do know and love, I don't blame her. Obviously, I blame the director who's like not well, paying attention. Let's be specific. You should be blaming the AD, the assistant director. They're in charge well, of background. The director can't be worrying about the performances of the leads and also well, myopically staring at the crosses in the background. They'd well, miss the performance. Look, they could do it all. I'm not trying if to They put, want their movie to be good. And I'm not even putting shade on the AD of Gracie's Choice because that AD, she or he may have thought, oh, who gives a shit? No one's going to notice and they're having a blast. And I would co-sign on that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay. So Cassius Clay, you said he knocked someone out that was white early on. I, I didn't find that. Okay. Um, Sonny Liston is black. Yeah. Okay, Malcolm Gladwell token episode is called The Hug Heard Round the World. The Hug Heard Round the World. Yes. Sammy Davis Jr. hugs Richard Nixon at the uh, 1972 Republican National Convention. Mm-hmm. Which alienated him from the black community at large. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Toni Morrison doc is called The Pieces I Am. Okay. And then he talks about being a scab. For the grocery store union. Uh-huh. I had never heard that phrase before. Oh. I didn't know about it. Yeah. But it's a union worker who returns to the job without permission from the union or a non-union employee who needs the work and is willing to put up with the taunts, threats, and even violence from strikers. In either case, he or she is the mortal enemy of the labor union, an organization that's designed to protect the interests of workers from the possible tyranny of management. The only true weapon of the labor union is a strike, and scab labor renders a strike useless. Yes, so Michigan's a very, very uh, union-centric state. Yeah. And, of course, I'm very pro-union, and that term scab was very well known where I grew up, and it was like the worst thing you can be. What I can now see is, you know, once again, it's a way for the true antagonist to to go unchecked, right? So the whole struggle then becomes about the scabs versus the union workers when it's like, oh, well, the, the shop owner just got off scot-free because now you guys are mad at the scabs. Right. Yeah, it kind of gets d- diverted. I can see another side of the argument now that I've left Detroit, mm-hmm. which is like, well... It's convenient for the employer to make it all about the scab and the union worker when that's not really what the fight is. Yeah, I, I, that's true. And also, like, what, what they they need money. Yeah, but I get it. They're, they're right. Uh, you know, the unions are asking all people to help yeah. and curb the behavior of these multinational companies, yeah. and so the citizens have to bond together. And Oof. that might, even if you don't work for that company, it might you might be asked or called upon right. to help with that mission. It's kind of hard because, I mean, I know you benefit, so you'd want to help. But also, if you're struggling, if you can't put dinner on the table, you're really put in a bad position. Yeah. Yeah. The reason it's never been a great threat to SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, is you can't really replace all the people that you and I want to see on TV with non-union labor and be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So there's this like uniqueness to the job that kind of helps keep the union strong. Yeah. So they can't just replace everyone on TV. Yeah, but it's also funny because I was thinking about SAG the other day. We were talking about unions and I have some conflicting feelings about unions, much of which is circling around their protection of getting fired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't have that. 
I can get fired on set tomorrow. Like I'm not protected from getting fired. It's not like nearly impossible to fire me. People get fired all the time on acting jobs and on sets. They do, but I think where your union protection comes in is that you get paid for that job. I think that's one aspect of it. So when you get fired, yeah. you still get paid, which I don't think is right the norm in a non-union. Yeah, that's true. Where I'm critical of unions is quite often, so they've been the greatest thing in our country's history for creating a middle class, mm -hmm. you know? And I grew up in a town that heavily benefited from union wages and entitlements. And I think those are great. I do think there have been times, though, when the union doesn't want to acknowledge the economics that has happened, where it's like you've got a company like Toyota competing with a company like General Motors, and General Motors is all union shops, and Toyota's not union shops. Mm -hmm. And so Toyota might even be willing to pay as much per hour as the union shops will, but they're not willing to take on 30 years of retirement. Right. A lot of the entitlement and retirement packages and healthcare packages that have been negotiated are simply unviable or unsustainable. Yeah. And so when you get up against the reality of that, there's been times where I think I've sided somewhat with some manufacturers mm -hmm. or minimally just said, wow, it's very unfair that Toyota doesn't have to have union employees and GM does, and they're competing in the same marketplace. I just don't think there should be. I don't think it should be so hard to get fired from a job if you've clearly had a lot of misconduct or even just egregious misconduct. Yeah, that's the other place where I think um, they can get carried away or there's plenty of history of them getting carried away. Yeah. You know, these teachers. I know. Uh, and who, police. Who have, yeah, who have. Yeah, yeah. Teachers, uh, police, auto workers, I'm sure, they get caught sleeping in the bathroom. Yeah. With a, uh, an extinguished with this, doobie next to them. And, and a snake up their butt. And two or three snakes up their butt. <laughs> and, and you can't fire them. Yeah. But it's really interesting, too. I was just going to add that some, something that's happened in the evolution of industry over the last 15 years that's not totally talked about all the time is that there's fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer union jobs. Mm -hmm. Because there's more and more and more automation. Right. And on one hand, it's even more viable for the manufacturers to pay union rates because they have far less union employees than they've ever had. And it's it's that much harder for the union workers to get what they want because there's far less of them to go on strike. Mm. So they're, they're like overall role in the manufacturing has diminished as automation has taken up. That makes sense, yeah. So it's getting harder and harder for them to protect what they've fought for. Yeah. Well, food for thought. Yeah. Leslie was fantastic, and that's all the facts I have. That was all? Yeah. What a babe. What a charmer. Would it be inappropriate for us to have a top five at the end of all this? Or you told us the top five dudes you wanted to hook up with based on the show? Because I feel like Leslie's in a top That'd five position. That would probably be inappropriate, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but isn't the power dynamic such that we can get away with that? Because it's a dangerous world for women. But it's not a very dangerous world for men at the hands of women. So do we think maybe you could do that? I'll think about it. Okay, th think about it. Okay, it's another food for thought. Okay, good. It's another piece of food. Okay, because I just feel like he's definitely in the top five, from, just from my point of view, watching your I'll level you know. of elation you know, on your face as you were just listening to info. Okay. Yeah, all the pictures, you're really smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my goodness. 
lit up like a Christmas tree. Okay. 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 I love you. Love you.